The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co host chair is Bennett Hip. And today's guest on the Modern Woman phone line is former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister. Bennett, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you? I'm good. Ole Miss opened as a 30-point dog to Alabama this weekend, and that line has moved to 37 and a half. And it's such a big number, but at the same time, it's totally justified, I think. I think if you watch that Cal game and you see a quarterback that going into that game on Saturday had been thoroughly mediocre at best and Chase Garbers, and he just tears Ole Miss apart, I think if you watch that and you flip ahead to Alabama and then you wonder what Tua Tagovailoa is going to do as a better quarterback with better receivers and a better schemed offense, I think at some point it becomes pretty hard to to justify that line being any lower than it is. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. No, it feels like this is more of a thing both in college and pro this year. I know in the NFL we've seen multiple 20-point lines already through three or four weeks of the season, I feel like we're seeing a ton more in college football. And I don't know if that's emblematic of a larger thing or if it's just a, a one-year kind of blip, but it, it is something that I've noticed as well that it's just, it's such a rare thing. And yet for this season, it seems to be happening much more often. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, throughout the last couple of years, a lot of things to knock you down. But 37 and a half dog to Alabama – God, that's got to be the most dispiriting thing so far. It might, but on the other hand, I think it's it's at a point where given the state of the two programs and where they're at and all that kind of stuff, I almost wonder if it's just one of those things where you can just go in, crack open a couple of beers, watch the game with no frustration, get out of there, and just move on with your life. I don't know that it's one of those things where – you really are upset or, or depressed or anything about that. You just get the game over with and you move on with your day. Yeah, it's kind of like Selah 
get the win and get out of there. Alabama, it's different. It's the reverse. Get in there, lose, and get out. Try not to get anybody hurt and don't embarrass yourself too much. But, man, laugh at the unintentional comedy of it all. Right, exactly. you, you got to have some sort of positive outlook here. And just know that at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon, that game is going to be over with. It's not going to matter. It's not going to change anything about your season, barring an injury. And you're on to a, a much more important and a much more winnable game against Vanderbilt the next week. It's just pretty remarkable. Almost is five years removed from beating Alabama, the second of back-to-back wins. And they went to Alabama and did it. What a difference four years makes. 37 and a half point dogs. Yeah, 37 and a half. And I think you're going to have a hard time finding people that are going to take Ole Miss to cover that line somehow. So it's uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind four years. But this is what happens when the toll kind of comes to pass with everything that's going on with Ole Miss and the way that Alabama's continued its positive trajectory. This is, this is the number you get to. And there's only so much you can do besides shake your head and laugh. And this is why I don't put anything on the fans. They're beaten down. And if you're wondering, if you're looking out there, if you're in a leadership position at Ole Miss and you're wondering, the fans aren't coming back ever. No matter what we do, we can't get the fans back. They're not not coming because they're protesting. They're not showing up because of one thing. Ole Miss is losing. And they don't feel any hope that Ole Miss can go into a particular game and win. And that's when you're in dangerous territory when your fans don't believe your team has any hope of winning? Well, it's just what's the end game? If you're a family that's coming from Jackson for the LSU game, and let's say it's probably a – let's say it's a 6.30 game, you've got to spend your whole day getting to Oxford, being in the Grove, going to the game. You're getting back after midnight. And, yeah, it's, it's Ole Miss LSU. It's a rivalry game. It's a big deal. It's, Ole Miss fans have good memories of this rivalry and of that game, but – at some point, you have to wonder, is this a waste of money? Can I just better spend my day at home watching football, hanging with my family, doing whatever, turn the game on at 630, watch Ole Miss lose like we think they're going to against an LSU team that looks fantastic, and turn it off and go to bed. And they've saved time, they've saved money, and that's, they move on with their weekend. And, and at that point, it's hard to really say that they're wrong in thinking that way. Oh, man. 37 and a half points. <laughs> my God. The podcast brought to you in part by my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL and college football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should play too. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. And if you join now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I've asked this question a number of times. I use Alabama as the barometer to where Ole Miss is as a program, and you might think to yourself, why? Ole Miss is always going to get beat by Alabama. I'm not necessarily saying beat Alabama, but have you narrowed the gap of how bad you lose to Alabama? The last couple of years, it's been embarrassing. Ole Miss might as well have been Southeast Louisiana. 
going against Alabama. No hope, and you get beat in embarrassing fashion. Can you make it a game? Can you give yourself a chance? When Ed Orgeron went to Alabama, went to Tuscaloosa with a team that not many people gave them any chance similar to this team, they played them tough. Now, that was a different Alabama team, and this is Nick Saban's Alabama. But you get what I'm saying. Can you be competitive? I don't even know if it's having a chance to win as much as it's just acquitting yourself well and not embarrassing yourself. I, I think if you look, look a couple of weeks ago, Alabama beat South Carolina 47 to 23. I mean, that's a big margin. The game was really never in doubt after the first quarter was pretty close. But after that, it was very much in Alabama's hands. But I, I think if you're South Carolina, you look at that game and say, well, we lost 47-23, but Ryan Holinsky threw for 300-plus yards. We had a 100-yard rusher. We had a receiver do well. They acquitted themselves well. They showed things that they could work on. They showed progress. They did not embarrass themselves. And I think against this version of Alabama, that's kind of the line. It's it's not do you have a chance to win, 5% chance to win. It's can you go in, score some points, hang around, make sure that the final margin is not 50 points, and acquit yourself well to the point where the game ends and your fan base says, well, that sucked. We got beat bad, but this, this, and this happened to give me some hope for next week or for this player or for this quarterback, whatever. And I think that's kind of the bar. And I, and I don't know that Ole Miss is there yet. This is a really young team, and Nick Saban's Alabama – enjoys playing against those young teams and young quarterbacks and they just twist them up in knots and spit them out so i don't know that this is the team that's going to to pass that test but that's kind of the bar of of where if you're not an elite team or a very good team that's kind of where the bar is for playing a team like this that's what i'm saying if you're an Ole Miss fan if you don't even bet money but i said to you you have to put your money on one of two scenarios Ole Miss going in and playing a competitive game and losing by two touchdowns just two or you got to put your money, your life savings, on Ole Miss getting its absolute ass kicked. Same as the last couple of years. Where are you going? I think nine out of ten would pick the second one. Chuck is always going to pick Ole Miss to win. That's just who he is. Everyone else, I think maybe nine out of ten, eight out of ten. I would think nine out of ten, if not ten out of ten, the way that this fan base is. I think the people that have any hope of a competitive game here. I don't know what you see other than just blind hope. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do what you want to do. Believe what you want to believe. But I think it's, if you take a realistic look at this team, I think it's really hard to see a scenario where this is 17 to 20 point game with a final margin, barring a couple of garbage time scores. And maybe that's, maybe that's the scenario here is Alabama blows it out early and Ole Miss keeps their guys in and against Alabama's back backups find some success, and that's a building block. We saw that a few years ago, Ole Miss in that second half against Auburn with Shea Patterson and them. They finally thought that they found something offensively, and it turned out that they had. And so maybe that's a building block there, but just overall, it's just it's impossible to see how this game is even remotely in doubt, even just a 20-point margin or anything like that. What do you do with John Rice Plumley this week? I start him. I play him. Whoa. A, a good, yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're assuming that Matt Corral is not 100% and he didn't practice on Tuesday, so I have a hard time imagining that he's going to be 100% and he's playing behind a young and at best inconsistent offensive line, at worst a poor offensive line. 
in a game that they're going to have to throw the football and be playing from behind, I'm not subjecting Matt Corral and his ribs to three quarters of rib shots and sacks and hits. I'm just not doing it. So whether it's 100% because of the injury or partly because of how the team looked with Plumlee on that last drive against Cal, I'm putting Plumlee out there. I'm starting him, and at some point I'll pull him and put in Tisdale or whoever. But I have a hard time really justifying playing Matt Corral in this football game if he's not absolutely 100% healthy. And even then, if there's any chance for reoccurrence of an injury, I'm not putting him out there either. I was not out at practice on Wednesday, but Nick Suss, the Ole Miss beat reporter for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, who co-hosted the show on Tuesday, certainly was. And he reported on Twitter, Matt Corral did team walkthroughs, but not much else live. John Rice Plumley took the majority of the first team reps. Corral, according to Nick, is still progressing day to day, but he's also in pain. Neither has commented this week, which isn't surprising. The Ole Miss media relations staff is notorious when there's a hot button topic out there of keeping certain players away or players involved with that topic or controversy, if you want to even call it that, away from the media. So whatever, that they haven't commented, not a surprise. Matt Luke did, didn't say much. Matt Luke's not going to say much. Monday, both Rich Rodriguez and Matt Luke both said they're effectively getting all three quarterbacks ready to play. But if John Rice Plumley is the starter, over under 55 and a half rushing attempts in that game. <laughs> They'd have a lot. I, I just, I think so much is... Are you down 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter? Because then at some point it becomes you've got to move the ball down the field. You've got to take shots down the field throwing. And that's really what we haven't seen from him. We saw the one deep ball to Gregory that looked pretty good. If he's the guy and this isn't going to be the best game to judge a game plan off of, Ole Miss is just trying to get out of this thing in one piece. But I, I do want to see if the offense that's been – given to Matt Corral is the same offense that's given to John Rice Pumley. If there's any tweaks, similarities, differences, I just want to see it. So in an ideal world, Ole Miss runs him a good bit. But again, if you fall down 21, nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter, that kind of goes out the window because they're pinning their ears back and coming after you, man, what a way to dip your toes in the water. If you're John Rice Plumley making your first start at Alabama. I mean, either way, you're throwing him into the fire. I mean, this is one of those games where I'm sure he'll be up for it and, and amped up for it because it's a big stage. You're on a 230 national game playing against one of the best teams in the country, and that's the moment that these kids want to come and play in, but it's certainly not the ideal situation. It's not your kind of ideal introduction to college football from a wanting-to-have-success standpoint. But, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I have a hard time justifying playing Matt Corral. I don't know if you're if you're different there or if you're kind of in the same boat as me. I, honest to God, have no idea what side of the boat I'm in on with that. But hold that thought. A few house cleaning items that I got to get to. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS, 1-833-GO-TEAMS, or go to www.impactolemiss.com, www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Score big points with your kids by signing them up for Oxford Park Commission Youth Basketball. Registration is now open for leagues serving ages 5 to 15. The cost to play is just $50 per child, and there are discounts available for families with multiple players. The deadline to sign up is October 4th. It's around the corner, October 4th. 
Visit OxfordParkCommission.com. That's OxfordParkCommission.com for more details or to sign up. Back to the discussion here. I don't know where I sit on it, but I do know this. Subjecting Matt Corral to hurting his ribs even further seems counterproductive at best and downright foolish at worst. And maybe this is the opportunity in a non-competitive game to at least see what John Rice Plumley can give you. I just don't know if I'm firmly in one side of the boat or the other. It's all health-related with me. Like, I think if Matt Corral hadn't gotten hurt last week, I'm, I'm rolling out Matt Corral this week and just letting him play and continue to develop. Obviously, there's going to be a bunch of garbage time in this game, so you would have gotten snapped for the other guys as well. But I know you mentioned, I guess, last week that you didn't. You thought there was a pretty good chance that he's not the guy by the end of the season, and I just think it's so early on him. So my, my reticence is all just health-related with Corral. You really want at Alabama to be the first game John Rice Plumley starts? I don't know. It's one of those things where it's six one way, half dozen the other. It's either that's his, that's John Rice Plumley's first start, or this is Matt Corral with injured ribs making a start. I don't know that either one of those is really ideal, but the way the Ole Miss's quarterback room is, it's going to be a first start for one of those guys. If it's not Corral, be their first career start. And if it's Corral, he's a guy that had a rib injury last week, and those don't typically heal in six days. So you got to pick your poison, I guess. And I, I think Plumlee would be the way to go if Corral's not 100%. I will say about Plumlee, I don't know if making your debut at Alabama would really affect him just by his personality. From all accounts, talking to his high school coaches and scouts for baseball, a number of people, John Rice Plumley is different. He captivates the room. He takes things over. If you go with John Rice Plumley, he's not going to shy away from it, and it's not like he would get knocked down a peg or two if things go bad at Alabama. He's a different type of guy. He's a true leader. I don't put much, and I've said it a hundred times over and over, I don't put much in things you can't quantify but when everyone is saying, this dude's a leader, man, he takes over a team, okay. If he were to be the guy at Alabama and Matt can't play because of bruised ribs, maybe he's unlike other freshmen to where if things turn bad, as everyone thinks they might, 37.5 point dogs. Maybe that doesn't affect him, and maybe there is something to that. I don't think it will. I don't think there's any worry from like a mental standpoint or anything. That kid is is confident. It seems to have a good head on his shoulders. I, I don't think he's going to be warped by – a start against Alabama and, and how rough that could go. I think in an ideal world, you want every quarterback to have their first start in a game that there's a chance to kind of ease them in and have some success early. And it just helps everybody. And this is obviously not the game for that, but I don't have any worry about him from a mental standpoint or anything like that. I, I think he's a, a pretty tough kid and, and one that's going to be able to have some perspective on the opponent he's playing and expectations and all that. Um, if he's the guy on Saturday. Whatever they do, if they could just be competitive. No one's asking for a win. I just don't know what competitive looks like. I don't in this, either. In this scenario. Is competitive covering the line? I mean, is is that staying inside the number? Is that competitive? I think it might be. I think that might be given to where Ole Miss is and how young this team is and with two new coordinators and still some transition and you add in maybe a quarterback making his first career start if you somehow stay within the number, I think that's a competitive game performance, whatever you want to say. I just, it's a hard time seeing how anything more than that happens. So I think if you lose by 35 and you stay within the number, it's not great, but I think that's better than 
losing 62 to seven or whatever it was last year, scoring a touchdown in the first play, then never scoring again. So uh, it's all relative, but that's that's kind of where I'd be at. I just don't know that, that that's possible. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. Going to go now to former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister after this quick word from Thomas Chandler, your modern woman representative. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister. He's a friend of this program, but he hasn't been on in a while, despite my best efforts. Deuce, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. And we're gonna we're gonna be bla- we're gonna be blaming you for my lack of being on the show. Okay, yeah, it's my fault. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll pretend like that's true. Um, you've been a busy man, though. I mean, working with the Saints, and have you been watching Ole Miss much? I've been able to watch them. Um, obviously, you know, you want wins. Uh, but I think the one thing that you'll see is you, you you see the growth of this team, and now you just want that group to be rewarded with some W's. I mean, uh, let some of that hard work pay off for them. The Saints are in a weird spot. Drew Brees is out for a while. What's life been like as the color analyst for the Saints radio network and dealing with all the news around that team so far? Gloom and doom for the most part. But if you watched this team close, you knew that they were still a talented group. Now, a lot happens as far as the quarterback is concerned, and you knew everyone would have to raise their level of play, and you were successful in doing so at least uh, when you had a two-game road trip on the second part of that game. You you were able to get some contributions from your defense as far as points are concerned, and then obviously your special teams were able to give you points as well. And then when you can get that to happen – uh, your offense just didn't have to hurt itself. I mean, because they really never sustained a lot of drives, but they were able to cash in a couple times as far as touchdowns were concerned. So, uh, you know, I think it's still a work in progress, but, you know, if they can just hold hold the ship until Drew gets back healthy, just, I mean, you, you're talking about play 500 ball. Uh, I think that they'll give themselves a shot to at least qualify for the playoffs again. It was an impressive win going to Seattle. You got to see DK up close. Your impressions after that game, not only of the Saints' performance, which was impressive, like you mentioned, getting contributions from all three phases of football, but also getting to see DK and living out his dream, and he's playing well so far. He's playing well, and he's in a good system. I think, you know, obviously with Russell Wilson being a a quarterback that likes to throw a deep ball, that's going to uh, favor in DK's uh, situation. You know, they had a couple questionable 
uh, let's just say clock management situation type situations where they had a couple timeouts, uh, didn't use them in the first half, and obviously it hurt them. But, um, you know, I think he's in a really, really good situation, a good coaching staff. I know Pete Carroll really well, um, and he, he loves him. Uh, you know, you just hate you hate how everything happened, but at the end of the day, you kind of deal with what you have. And I think for him, they couldn't have failed to a better organization or, you know, a situation with a proven quarterback, one that likes to throw a deep ball. And I think as he continues to develop, you know, he's only going to get better. And, and then he's he's adjusting to being an NFL guy. You know, what's funny when you talk about him, uh, I was fortunate enough to be, what, two and a half hours from my mom's house, you know, five hours from where I played my college ball. For DK, he's across the country. I mean, so he's having to kind of grow up uh, on on his own in in a sense, uh, you know, because he, he he's from Oxford, went to school in Oxford, and so for him to leave, he's kind of growing up. And his his mom and his dad, Terrence, they're they're trying to allow him to do that in a sense, but it's still a little difficult. But uh, you know, he he he's keeping up with the Rebels as well. You've been friends with Terrence for a long time. When did you know? DK was a serious prospect, not just for college, but he could be something special. Probably his sophomore year in high school, but even even Terrence to tell you, man, I've been trying to change him. I, I, I look, DK, you know, like they tried to move me. Tuberville wanted to move me to linebacker. I, I've been telling Terrence, look, man, he, he's he's an outside linebacker. He's a defensive end. You know, I just don't see him being a receiver. He is so big. He, he he's long, and he was fast. I said, man, he he he's waiting to be a defensive end. He's waiting to be an outside linebacker. He has the perfect body for it. Uh, and that was really, you know, his sophomore year in high school. And then he comes into college and he's developing. And uh, I guess it was after his freshman year, talking to some of the guys that are in the NFL and, you know, they, they work with receivers and uh, DK was able to work out with the, with one of that those guys. And he just told me, man, he, he's a receiver. You know, he, he, he is a receiver. Uh, this guy's, you know, worked with different college guys and NFL guys in the offseason. And he was like, you know, he's got some things that he has to work on. But his explosion, his his ability to be physical at the top of the route, you know, all of those things he had. And we're talking about in college. And so, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. And we, we obviously were able to see what he was able to put up and do at the combine. You know, it's just unfortunate that we didn't get a full clip as far as uh, out of the three years that he was in Oxford. How did you get Tuberville off of wanting to put you at linebacker instead of leaving you at running back? John Avery twisted his ankle, and the NCAA held Joe Gunn up as far as uh, <laughs> uh, getting clearance. So if those two things don't don't happen, then you know I'm on the other side of the football. John, A- John Avery twisted his ankle before our first scrimmage, and so we were still thin at tailback. It was really Tony Canyon and Alicia Alexander, the, the true guys that had some experience or at least a lot of college experience on that side, and I ended up having to go back over uh, and, and and to play tailback. And, and during that scrimmage, had 100-yard games rushing, had over 100 yards during that scrimmage, and you know, Coach Mazzoni was like, "You're not, you're not going back over there on that, that that defensive side. You're staying over here." I mean, but if John doesn't twist his ankle and if Joe isn't held up by the NCAA to get cleared, you know, I don't know if I ever get a chance to to play running back. What would Deuce McAllister, the linebacker, been like? 
I could do it. I mean, I did it in high school. I, I just wanted the opportunity to touch the ball. I wanted the opportunity. I always said that if I if I touch it, I know I could do something special with the football. I mean, but I was I was a def- defender. I played both ways in high school. So I played safety and linebacker, outside linebacker in high school. So in corner, uh, and, you know, as I kept growing, it just moved inside or, or safety. But uh I, I did it before, uh, so it wasn't anything new. I just didn't want to. I wanted to. I wanted to touch the football. Yeah, there's no way you'd have stayed at Ole Miss if they tried to keep you at linebacker. Been very hard. It would have been very hard. I mean, particularly after, I just wanted an opportunity to see if I could do it on that level. I don't think Coach Tubb was really going to give me a fair share at doing that if 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 I didn't get that opportunity. I mean, if I if I go through a half a season and that's really what we said, hey, look, let's keep you over here this year. Um, if, 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 if you can contribute and you can help and play at that level, then fine. If not, you know, and I, I said, Hey, look, after my freshman year, if it, it, if it's not working and I see, I can't play running back at that level, then fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll play defense, but I just felt that I could, I could do something special with the football in my hand. The transfer culture is rampant now in college football. It's different. Players got more control over what they're doing and, and where they're going. They got more leverage. They still don't have what they deserve. But back then, it would have been hard, though, to go find a landing spot and talk to other schools. Were other schools after you, or did they kind of know that you didn't want to be a linebacker? Had that stuff started, or was it not like that yet? No, it never even got to that point. I mean, because we were still in fall camp. So it never even got to that point. I mean, uh, literally, you're talking about maybe two weeks in the fall camp, you know, how this is all unfolding. So it never even got to really that point. Man, I can't imagine you as a linebacker. Think about if you'd have been a linebacker, you wouldn't have gotten the Independence Bowl craziness and dominating the state. <laughs> what did they say to make them think that you weren't a running back? It was Jesse, you know, Jesse Armstead. All the you have to think about where Tuberville was coming from. A defensive coordinator at Miami. He was an outside. He was a linebackers coach there. And what he saw was myself fitting into that mold of some of those guys that he had had down at Miami. And so you talk about all the great Miami linebackers, you know, Ray, Ray Lewis is in that group. Uh, Jesse Armstead, uh, there's a ton of them, you know, that he had coached and that's what he saw. I mean, he just saw the speed. He saw the size. Um, you're going to make an outstanding linebacker for me. And, you know, it was, uh, really, running back, I was I was an uh, afterthought for him. You know, yeah, he he played in high school. He was probably the best player on the team, but you know, I don't see him as a running back. Do you kind of see a little bit of yourself in Jerryon Ely? Yes and no. I mean, I think his <laughs> he's so far ahead of where I was. Uh, you know, as far as freshmen in our careers, he's so far ahead of that. You know. Um, it, it, it's amazing, you know, just to watch some of the kids that come out now and how much more developed they are, how much ready they are to play the game now as far as college is concerned. And so uh, you, you, you see the return ability, but you saw that when he was at prep, you saw, you know, and, and, and that's the biggest thing, get him in space and let him be a creator. As he gets more comfortable, as he puts on a little more weight, he'll be okay running inside. I mean, uh, that's just as he matures. But right now, just get him in space, you know, figure out a way to get him in space and let him be a playmaker. When you saw him, because you're around that area, when you saw him in high school, did you know that he was the five-star guy, the instant impact guy pretty quickly? Pretty quickly. Um, you heard the stories about him kind of like you heard the stories about Cam. Cam Akers, who, you know, they're in ninth grade. And if you're around that area, 
he was one of the kids that look, you got to go see him play. You know, you you've got to go see this kid play. He is that good, and you know if he he keeps his head on straight and he doesn't have you know suffer a major injury, he's going to play on the next level. And you could see it right away. I mean, and it's just the the biggest question with he was always would he play football or baseball, and you know it, I, that was the only question that you ever wondered, you know, because he loved both sports, but that would, you know, would major league baseball uh, keep him away from playing in the NFL or at least college football. And then, uh, you know, so far he's obviously made the right decision and uh, he's going to be an impact player for, for Ole Miss for a long time. He's already returned to kickoff for a touchdown. You were so dynamic as a returner. What makes a good returner be it kickoffs or punts? How can you be good at that? So that's another position Coach Tubb didn't want me to do. What? <laughs> if, if you go back and look, my freshman and sophomore year, I had zero returns. I, I wasn't a returner in his eyes. And and it was until Coach Coach Cutcliffe came, that's when he allowed me to be a returner. And <laughs> so I just have to laugh at it. You know, uh, he wanted the smaller, quicker guys. And look, we had some, we had some great, great returners, Andre Rome. Uh, was back there, you know, obviously kickoff and, and, and punts, but I didn't return them until my, my uh, junior and senior year in college. And so I did it in, in high school uh, and I love to do it, but you know, it was the size, man, you don't put a 220 20 pounds or 210 pound guy returner back there. Uh, the, 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 the first thing though, just as a returner, it's, it's having a vision and being quick enough or at least, um, savvy enough to be able to set your blocks up uh certain certain returns uh, depending on the punt you have to just to be able to catch it and get what you can get but if you have an opportunity you can make that first guy miss and get to the wall after that it's just it's it's, it's having the ability to be able to get to the wall and then when you talk about kickoff returns um kickoff returns in my opinion is a little easier because you have uh, more time to to allow that wall to be able to set it up but it's about setting it up and then being able to find that crease being able to find that soft spot and then after that you're just being an athlete in open field is the vision to be a returner just a god-given thing or can you learn to do that uh, no, you have to. It's, it's a God-given thing as far as the vision to be able to see how everything unfolds and develops for you. I mean, but uh, to have the ability to be able to set it up, uh, that that's something that uh, you can develop. But the, the vision of it, that's just God-given. We'll get back to former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister after this quick word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com 
or give them a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I've asked you about it before, but that onside recovery and you took it back to the house in the Independence Bowl, what did you see? Nobody. Nobody was in front. And I actually didn't know the rule uh, as far as could you actually return that that type of play, you know, because most of the time you see an onside kick, you see the guy recovered and he just goes down. Well, for me, I was able to catch it, you know, kind of like a shortstop on the perfect hop. And I didn't know. Uh, if you could return it, I mean, because on, on muff punts and something like that, you know, normally that ball is blown, blown dead right there and you can't return it for a touchdown. And so uh, for me, I was just like, Hey, look, if they blow the whistle, uh, so be it, you know, we get the ball right here, but you never heard a whistle blow. Uh, and so I just took it in and that's what I go into the sideline and talking to coach Versace is like, I just caught it. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if I could, there was no need, to go down because nobody was in front of me. Uh, and so I just took it, took it to the end zone, but I didn't know if the refs were going to blow the whistle and say, no, you can't uh, advance that football. You, but, you know, there was no reason to go down because no one was in front of me. That's so disappointing because for my entire life, I've always thought that was one of the cockiest and most badass plays ever. And you're just telling me is you did it because you didn't know. <laughs> that, that's the truth. I did not know that if you could advance that kick, I mean, because 90% of the time or 95% of the time you see a guy recover it, he just goes automatically down. And for me to be able to catch it perfect off of the hop, uh, I was like, all right, well, there's nobody here. I'm going to run until they blow the whistle and the refs never blew the whistle. See, I wanted you to say, the next time I talk to you about this, I want to hear you say, oh, I just wanted to bury him. And I knew I could beat the crap out of him. (laughs) No more about this. I didn't know. No, 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 no. You got to fix little Ben's old memories of that. <laughs> we'll erase that thought process way then. Yeah, yeah got to do that. What's your favorite Ole Miss memory? When people ask you now, it's been a while. I've asked you this a hundred times before, but now that there's been the benefit of time and you got all these young cats coming up into the league, you're dealing with them with the Saints. When they say, Deuce, what were you like? What do you tell them? My favorite and fondest is obviously walking off the field, a winner against State, my last game. Uh, that's something that you can never take away. Uh, it was in the rain, and to be able to do it in that manner was was pretty special. But of all the things, I, just going back and, and, and the plays that you made as far as a player, and this is a cocky one now, I was never caught from behind on any run or pass or catch that I had uh, in college. So if it was a 60-yarder, 70-yarder, um, whatever it was, I was never caught from behind. 
I so see, I knew I once kind of I stuff. got in, I knew when I got in the open field, they were there was nobody gonna catch me. They, they weren't gonna catch me. Now I remember against Mississippi State, I slowed down and start watching myself from the jumbotron, but I started slowing down at the. 15 to 20 yard line. Uh, and I ended up getting tackled in the end zone, but I mean, I wasn't going to let him catch me before I scored. But outside of that, there was not an opportunity where I got in the open field and a defender was able to catch me and tackle me, uh, as far as for a run. Please tell me you were a shit talker. No, did not talk at all. I just wanted to go and play the game. Um, very, very, very few times was I going to, to talk a lot? You know, it may have been guys talking noise and I may have said something uh, back, but it was not, you know, it was not going to be something constant for me to to talk to, to the uh, opponent. I always think about this when I think about shit talkers. There's that viral video of this kid and he's walking up to the line of scrimmage, basically taunting the wide receiver that he's covering and the whistle <laughs> blows. Wide receiver runs and just runs over the guy. And it's the best video. Was there ever a time when somebody was taunting you and you didn't say anything, you just destroyed them? Yes and no. I mean, the, the, there were guys that liked to talk and, you know, they, they would they may get a good shot on you, get, you know, uh, uh, tackle you. Um, but there were not a lot for me to just go out there and, um, you know, I, trust me, you had linemen that, that loved to talk and yelled and got excited. And, you know, and that, that, that may have fired me up or pumped me up. But, I mean, for me to just go out there uh, after a good play and tell a guy something, Nah, you know, I, I, I just I just wanted my, my play to speak for me. Smoot talked all the time. And wouldn't hush. <laughs> and would not hush. He's still talking, probably. Yeah, that, that is true. Were you tight with Smoot? I, I knew Smoot. I knew Fred. Got to, got to know him a lot better once we got to the NFL. But, uh, we, you know, I knew him just because of where we were from. We were both from, the, you know, around the same area and um, had mutual friends outside of football. So, yeah, I knew I knew Fred fairly well. Mississippi players, I think when they go pro, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, the rivalry aspect of Mississippi State almost kind of falls away. It's more friendly ribbing. Mississippi kids, they stick together when they go pro, right? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, like even even uh, JT Gray, who is uh, one of our um, reserve safeties, he's, he, he plays really well. He's a special teams, I, got, I would call him a star uh, for us. Uh, so we don't rib each other as much, even though, you know, uh, now we may talk a little trash um, as far as Ole Miss State once we play each other, but throughout the season, you know, it's it's not as bad. It's not nearly as bad when you're in college. I mean, because I think uh, we 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 all follow it. But even like this weekend, I I got to know. Oh, I, I'd met KJ Wright even before this weekend, but you know, I got to talk to him and see him a little bit. And you know, he's he, he's a good guy. You know, and I I mess with him. I always say, look, I'm gonna get you a little red and blue so you can wear it around and feel good about yourself. And so we 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 joke with each other, but it's not as like it is when you're in college. One of the last things, the Saints, keeping their heads above water, waiting on Drew to get back. How do you feel about their ability to do that? Do you think that Sunday was a positive step as far as what they have to be in order to do that? Yes, and they don't have to play perfect to be able to win. And then, and and in no way did they play perfect on, on uh, this past Sunday against Seattle. And so for them to see that, look, we can still play better and we can be successful – then I think that's the uh, encouraging piece for them. Uh, from an offense, offensive standpoint, 
I still think that, look, Alvin, he, he's amazing, a uh, really, really outstanding player. It's a shame Butch Jones <laughs> didn't see that as well. I mean, it, 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 it's amazing to see him do some of the stuff that he does on the football field. But for them, they still have other guys that can kind of contribute and help. And so far, they hadn't got that contribution from them, Jared Cook and, and Latavius Murray. And so it's really up to Sean to figure out, okay, how can I get these guys more involved? Because both of those guys are talented and can help take some of the pressure off of Alvin and Michael Thomas. What are your thoughts on Eli? I love him to death and I hate what's, what's going on with him. But if you know, Eli, he's going to be a pro and the thing um, at some point, father time is going to get us all, particularly in this league. And as a player, you never want to stay around too long, but you always feel like that you can still play this game. And, you know, he's going to help Daniel as best as he can. At the same time, I know he wants to go out there and play. Uh, for me, I don't think that they ever gave him enough, particularly later on in his career, as far as offensive line. I mean, you, you, you've given him good skill guys, but you still have to protect him. And I just didn't feel like that they did a good job of doing that as far as to protect Eli. And I understand that Daniel's probably a little more mobile, so uh, having the best protection isn't his thing. He doesn't need it yet. But, I mean, if you get up to year 10, year 12, year 14, you better be able to protect your quarterback. And so, you know, Eli's going to be a pro, though. He's going to help and, 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 and be a teammate and, you know, prepare himself if, he ha if he's needed. Uh, he's going to obviously go out there and do it. But you just hate to see it happen in this way. And it's not even a question if he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You, you get some, some members of our media on our side questioning that just because of the win-loss record. I mean, guy won two Super Bowls and Super Bowl MVP. I mean, so it's, it's not even a question. And then he played for, what, 16 years? Get out of here. Never missed a game as far as uh, because of injury? Get out of here. When did you know it was time to hang him up? I didn't want to. I didn't want to have another surgery, though. I had eight, eight knee surgeries, and I needed another knee surgery to fix a partial torn ACL. And on my last surgery, I told Dr. Andrews, Doc, I love you, but I'm not coming back. And if I have to come back, I'm done. And that's really what it was. And so um, I remember going in and meeting with Coach Payton, and he kind of telling me, hey, look, we're going to go in a different direction. I want you to take some time, process it. I would love to have you to be a part of the staff uh, and, and, and still be a part of it. But for me, I said, no, you know, I, I think I can still play. I think I can still play. And so I went and trained down in Pensacola, uh, tried to see if I could get myself, you know, in, in, into pretty good shape and didn't have to have that, that surgery that, uh, you know, I thought I needed, or at least we didn't, we didn't do the surgery. And I, I did get two phone calls. I got one from the Giants and then I got one from Kansas City uh, as far as an opportunity, uh, but neither were long-term. Both were probably going to be one. It was the Kansas City was to come in and kind of mentor uh, Larry Johnson. That's when he was having his off-the-field situations. So for me, I wasn't going to be dressing. And then with the Giants, it was a two-week situation because Brandon Jacobs had gotten uh, hurt. And they, you know, basically uh, told me um, when he comes back, we're going to be releasing you. And so you'll probably be 
on special teams. And that at that point in my career, that wasn't something that I was excited about doing. So um, I didn't, I, I declined both offers and I never really got another, another opportunity. And so it's humbling, but at the same time, I knew that I did pretty good. That's gotta be hard though. I mean, ball has been life. And then to just kind of run up against that roadblock and realize, Oh God, it's over. And it's so abrupt. That had to be really hard. It was tough. I mean, it was tough. I mean, because you, you're talking about something that you, you had done all of your, your life. And then, like you said, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, it's over. You know, you, you get a couple of phone calls as far as your agent is concerned. And, um, but this is the situation. And outside of that, you know, it's, yeah, the phone's not ringing. And so it's okay. I have to go into the next phase of, of my life. And, you know, what do I want to do sort of, sort of deal. And so that was just kind of trying to figure it out. And you look at it as like, man, I'm not even 30 years old and it's over as far as the game of football, because you always think oh, I'm going to play for 10, 10 years. I'll rush for, uh, you know, I was running back. I'm going to rush for 10,000 yards and the injuries kept a lot of that from happening. You're a Hall of Famer in my book. He's former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister, one of the greatest Ole Miss Rebels ever. It's been too long. Thanks for coming back on this podcast, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all, buddy. That was former Ole Miss running back Deuce McAllister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, but real quick, let me tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Back with me now in this edition of Talk of Champions and the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip. My thanks, of course, to Deuce McAllister, former Ole Miss running back, good friend of the program. It had been a while, too long for Deuce to be on this podcast. I had to get him back. I want to talk some Ole Miss basketball. As you're listening to this probably on this Thursday, I'm headed to the Tui Center to do some Ole Miss basketball interviews. About to roll out a bunch of stories starting this afternoon, so be on the lookout on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com. I'll tweet out the links on Twitter at Spirit Ben. Official practices for Ole Miss basketball open, I think, next week. The season opener in early November, I think November 6th. 
right now, what are your thoughts on Ole Miss basketball? Win Case was on this program not too long ago, I think in the summer, actually, and he thought Ole Miss had Sweet 16 aspirations. Where are you? Because I looked at Andy Katz, and he didn't even have Ole Miss in the top 10 in the SEC, which seems asinine to me. I don't want to talk about Andy Katz. I just want to hear Bennett Hipp's thoughts on Ole Miss basketball. I think on one hand, I'm, I'm pretty interested and excited just because I think coming back with Brian Tyree and, and Devontae Shuler, that's a really good nucleus to kind of lead your team. And on the other hand, I want to see how they replace Terrence Davis. And I want to see some of these position battles and roster battles. And uh, they brought in so many guys. I want to see Sammy Hunter and how he looks. I want to see what Sean Robinson looks like. And if he's a guy that is going to take a redshirt year or if he impresses more than thought and, and kind of works his way into the back end of a rotation. So there's a lot of things there. This is a team that goes 10, 11, 12 deep for the first time in a long time. And that means looking for new things. It's been a while since there have been multiple position battles or rotation battles on this roster. And I think at this point, the second rotation, your, your six through 10 guys, there's a lot of juggling there to find roles and, and find guys. So just kind of fascinating to see how that goes. That's kind of where I'm at early on. I feel like this Ole Miss basketball team is every bit as good as what we think they are. The question becomes, what is the SEC this year? What is the top end? What are the tiers of the SEC? Last year, the SEC was loaded up. If you look at Ole Miss's roster, of course Ole Miss improved, drastically improved, is deeper. There's also a lot of youth. There's some volatility of youth that's going to come into play. And when you compare it to the SEC, where is the roster, if that makes sense? I think it's tough to tell just because we saw it a few years with Andy Kennedy teams on those years where there was a lot of roster turnover and new guys and new rotation roles. It took a little time to gel. And for this Ole Miss team, there's not a pretty decent trip to Canada to kind of help push that along. And so I think if you're looking at the league, obviously, I think Florida is the class of the league. I think that's the best team in the conference right now. I think Kentucky's right behind them. And then you're getting into LSU, you're getting into Auburn, you're getting into Tennessee, perhaps. After that, it's some teams with new coaches, it's teams with guys coming back. So it's Mississippi State, it's what does Alabama look like, what does Arkansas look like under Eric Musselman. Tom Crean's got a bunch of talented freshmen on that roster in, in Athens. What do they look like? I think there's a lot of unknown in the middle to back of this league, and I think you can see a big middle tier of this conference emerge I don't know that I see a whole lot of really, really bad teams. I think Vanderbilt's going to struggle. I think Texas A&M's going to struggle. But after that, I think we're going to see a lot of similar teams again in the middle of this league kind of uh, jockeying for position as the season goes on. The worst team in the SEC is who? It's got to be Vanderbilt, right? They were so bad last year. They fired Bryce Drew. They bring in Jerry Stackhouse. I think he's done a pretty good job accumulating some talent. But this just – this is not – in this league – I don't know that you can make a huge jump without just a bunch of things going your way. And I just, I have a hard time seeing Vanderbilt being even remotely competitive in year one under him. And I think it's going to be a transition for him too, in terms of he's been a G league coach. He's been an assistant coach, the NBA. How does that translate to running an offense, running a system at the collegiate level, in games that are very differently called differently stylistically differently i'm kind of interested to see what they look like but i i don't know that you can project them to be anything other than at the bottom of the league for year one of the stackhouse era Ole Miss hosted samson rosinchev over the weekend a four-star wing 
Really liked Ole Miss. Next up is Florida. Then he's going to Stanford and also to Georgia Tech to round out his visits. Canceled Illinois. Jamin Brakefield, who is Ole Miss's top target for 2020. Sean Robinson reclassified for the 2019 roster. Ideally, they won't rely on Sean Robinson too much, if at all, in his true freshman season. Mm -hmm. It's big that they got him into a strength and conditioning program. But anyway, for 2020, they currently have no commitments. Jamin Brakefield is that top priority. They have one scholarship available. Numbers always work themselves out. And then Samson came in this week and visited, got other visits lined up, really enjoyed his time here. But when you look at Ole Miss basketball recruiting right now, A.J. Hoggard, another priority target for them. I've tried to reach out to him, haven't been able to get in touch with A.J. Hoggard so far. What are your thoughts on Ole Miss basketball recruiting and where they are? I think they're in a very good spot with Brakefield. And at this point, I think pretty much everyone is just kind of waiting to see if when they just close the deal there. It seems like this is – they've been in there for so long, done a really good job recruiting him. It seems like that's going to to go their way, barring changes or whatever. But it, I don't know a timetable for that. I think obviously people like to see that get done sooner than later. But Jamin's a guy that has kind of done his own thing and gone on his own timeline. And, and then after that, it's trying to decide how many other guys you're going to take and what those guys look like. I think the reason that the kid from Russia makes so much sense, you know, he plays in Chattanooga at Hamilton Heights. I think the reason that he would be a really good take and make so much sense is he's six, eight and he's elite shooter from the outside. And if you look at old Mrs. Russia, they have a lot of things but knockdown shooter with that size is not one of those things that they have. And he, he's just – there aren't many guys that do what he does at the size that he does. And that's why you're seeing so much interest in his game and in his recruitment. So I'm kind of fascinated to see what they prioritize for 2020, how many guys they want to bring in for 2020, and um, how they make the roster work. It will That'll be obviously be a conversation for down the road. Where does Ole Miss right now sit with you wins-wise, looking at this year and what they could be? I think all of us believe they're an NCAA tournament team, but what is their floor? What is their ceiling? What do you see as the win number right now? I think this is a, a tournament team for sure. I think the floor is what they did last year. Get in there in an 8-9 game, and those games are always toss-ups and you lose it. I think the ceiling is is probably a second weekend team, a Sweet 16 appearance. I think that's the ceiling. Uh, I do want to see how they replace Terrence Davis. I, I think they've got plenty of guys there, and I, I just think that's going to be tougher in spots than some some people think. Uh, Terrence was such a good player for them, and yes, he was inconsistent and had his flaws for sure, but he was a guy that had some really big moments for them in big games and, and won them some basketball games that they had no business winning. So I don't think it's going to be a seamless transition to just replace him. So I think from a non-conference record standpoint, I think they're going to rack up wins. Uh, the schedule is not very difficult. I think you've got those four non-conference games that are going to be Memphis, Oklahoma State, Penn State, and then you have the the AAC game and against Wichita. And those games are going to be important. I think if you split those, I think you're in really good shape. You go into conference play. I think, again, you're looking eight, nine wins is what you want to get to for an 18-game schedule in this league. And at that point, you're in the tournament, and you're you're a good quality team and getting a good seed. So I think the floor for this team is pretty high, and I think the ceiling is relatively high and, and I think is really kind of undefined. I think if Hadim C is uh, an impact player, then the ceiling rises. If Sammy Hunter is as good as they think he is and there's no transition period for him, I think the ceiling gets even bigger because guys like that – um, really, I think if you look at last year's Ole Miss team, they were so bad on the post. If you give them not just average post play, but 
close to above average, really good elite post play. It just changes so much. So I think this is a high floor team. I don't see barring injury. I have a hard time seeing them really struggle, but the league is tough. And it's just one of those things when you're replacing so many guys and have guys in new roles. Um, sometimes there can be some, some valleys. So I feel pretty good about this team as a tournament team. I know most outlets have them kind of in that boat as well. Your breakout player is who? It's a good question. I've liked Austin Crowley for a while. I think he's going to play and play a lot for them. I'm just kind of intrigued by Hadim C. I don't know if he's a breakout guy. I don't know if that counts as a breakout guy because we've seen him at the D1 level before, but I want to see how that kind of works out. He was so good at Virginia Tech in limited minutes in terms of blocking shots, making impact. Um, Obviously left for a reason, but so I think that's, but I think Austin Crowley is going to have a big role for this team and do a lot of good things. I think he's still flying under the radar for whatever reason. Who's in a put up or shut up year? Well, I think at some point you have to look at a guy like Carlos Curry, and and I don't know that he's going to have a big role in this team, but I think if you're looking just at a roster crunch position, how many big men can you have? How many developmental big men can you have? And obviously, this is unfair to Franco Miller, but just from a health standpoint, it's kind of a kind of one of those years where Ole Miss needs him to get healthy, stay healthy, be healthy, and fully evaluate him. This was a guy that they really liked and won a big recruiting battle against Oklahoma to get him, and he's just never really been healthy in Oxford. So I think it's an important year for him. And then going back to breakout guys, I'd add Luis Rodriguez to that list too. I think he's going to have a good year. I like his kind of profile as an athletic wing um, that they seem to think has, has taken a real big step offensively. So I'm intrigued to see that as well. Yeah, Luis is my guy just by talking to all the coaches and teammates. And I think everyone to a man would agree consensusly that – I don't even know if that's a word – but that Luis Rodriguez would be the breakout candidate if they had to predict right now. He's been at hip. My thanks to Deuce McAllister, former Ole Miss running back. Thank you, Bennett. I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again. Absolutely. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.